All right, babe. It's been a minute since we did one of these, and we'll talk about that in Family Friday, so come back for that. But I thought to kick off Marriage Mondays again, we will start by going to the comment section of the video and addressing a comment that we received over the break. Yeah, that'd be good. So let's get into that. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to share a few things with you. First, we'd like you to like this episode and then subscribe to our podcast. If you're doing that on YouTube, also hit the bell notification so that you know when we post anything new and then share this with somebody that you feel like would be this would be beneficial for. That's right. If you would like to support our show further, uh, we would welcome that. You are welcome to do that at anchor.fm slash marriage by design to check out your options for supporting the program financially. Otherwise, guys, the links to our social media are always in the description of every video, so feel free to check those out there. And now, let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. I'm Nate Warnock. I'm Andrea Warnock. And you joined us for <laughs> Someday we're going to get that right. I know. Marriage Monday on the Marriage by Design podcast. And this is a time where we get to talk to you about God's design for marriage, what the Bible has to say about that, and how we live that out practically. That's right. So we've been on Marriage Mondays working our way through what the Bible says about marriage. And we're in Matthew 19, uh, and we'll be talking about Matthew 19, verse 7 uh, in a week. But there was a comment made to one of our videos that uh, I came across. By the way, if you watch our videos on YouTube and you leave a comment, I will respond to you. So feel free to leave a comment if you have anything. Uh, I try to get right back to it. Sometimes uh, I don't for a little while. And in the case here of this comment that we received, I haven't responded to that yet at all, uh, but will be responding to it with a link to this video. So um, this this comment struck me, and, and I spent some time thinking about the best way to respond to this. And I ended up thinking, <clears throat> well, I could write her a really, really long Post. written response, but this is something that's worth us probably talking about as, well, I mean, it's worth talking about as a show so that you know where we stand as a couple, but it's also something that is worth you guys thinking about as married couples, as Christians, as those perhaps thinking about what Christianity is all about and kind of considering what it is that the Bible teaches and why do we believe that and why do different churches have different teachings on some of these things. And so I wanted to just address that uh, for our community uh, and and kind of kick off the discussion. If you have uh, comments, you always can comment on our YouTube videos, if you watch on YouTube, if you listen to the audio only, you can always pop over to Facebook and uh, and, and holler at us there and we'll respond to you there. But uh, anyway, the, the video that this uh, woman commented on was part three of a series that we did last season in season two about Song of Solomon. And we were talking about how Song of Solomon is a book that is so often skipped over and it shouldn't be 
for married couples because there's so much in Song of Solomon that's important for us to know as married couples about marriage and about dating and engagement and what does it mean to truly be passionate about someone. And as part of that conversation in part three, which we entitled Song of Solomon, The Sex Talk, we talked about what Song of Solomon says about sex and how freeing that should be to us on the topic of sex. And this woman, uh, Adriel Thomas, made a comment on that video, and I'm going to just read the comment and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So her comment was, she says, Hi there, there are many who use the Song of Solomon to justify oral sex. Could you tell me when in church history this teaching started? Great question. It is a good question. And in that video, we actually share pretty straightforward that we believe that there is not anything wrong with oral sex between a husband and a wife within the confines of marriage. Uh, And in fact, we even go quite far beyond that with regards to the things that are allowed or not allowed within the confines of marriage. And again, we're talking all about sex within marriage, sex outside of marriage, doesn't matter what the circumstances are, doesn't matter that you're almost married, that you're getting married in 20 minutes from now, that you've already that been married, you've already divorced, been married. and now you're engaged again or something. Right. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> sex is designed to be between a man and a woman within the confines of marriage. Then once you're within the confines of marriage, I would be willing to bet that sex as God defined it God designed it and defined it in the Bible is less restrictive than probably what 70% of the church thinks it is. Maybe more than that. <clears throat> so anyway, the co- the question is good. She's talking about oral sex. The thing that I think I got hung up on when I was reading the question is the second half. When she says, could you tell me when in church history this teaching started? And uh, I started kind of looking into this a little bit because I was curious. And, and, and again, and if you follow us, you're going to know this is a thing before I even say it. In my 38 years of life. Oh, you're old. Right. Mm. In my 38 years of life, all of which I was in a family that attended church or I attended church myself, I have never attended a denominational church. Ever. So I'm not, you know, a woohoo team Southern Baptist or woohoo team Roman Catholic or United Methodist or Presbyterian Lutheran. None of that. I I have always attended churches that basically said, look, we're going to be guided by the Bible and that's what's going to guide us. And uh, so maybe give your experience a little bit because I think this is insightful as we think about this. Your experience, have you ever been in a church really? that was denominationally? Yeah, so I I grew up in a a Baptist church and then a Southern Baptist church. And then once we got married, I then I was in a not a non-denominational church and now we've been in another non, non-denominational church for 13 years. Right. And you know, the, the other side of this, because I know sometimes you hear this interdenominational thing and you think, okay, this person's anti-denomination. And I'm not. I, I am just, uh, above all else, completely consumed with being 
on the side of Team God. Yeah, and, and, and we just happen to have been led to be in non-denominational right. churches. Right, that probably sounds like Team God's not on right. the side of any of those denominations, and that's not true. No. My, my point is that to the extent that uh, Southern Baptists line up with the Word of God, that's fantastic. To the extent that Roman Catholics line up with the Word of God, fantastic. I'm... Solo scriptura, right? That was a that was a Martin Luther ideal, and it's one that I take really seriously. Only the Bible, yep. right? Only the Word of God. Now, does the Holy Spirit play a role in that? Of course. And I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit, kind of in the back half of this episode, because um, sometimes the the uh, sort of Pentecostal church or the non denominational folks can we can have our own sort of church tradition called the Holy Spirit said to me one time the other day. And that can be dangerous too. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, Adriel, I want to respond to you directly to say from my looking into it, it looks like uh, when you talk about church tradition, that's a super broad category, right? Because I don't know what church you're a part of. So the Roman Catholics have a different tradition with regards to oral sex than the Southern Baptists do, than the United Methodists do. I mean, frankly, there's a significant amount of United Methodists that don't care about even sex between a man and a woman within. So there's all kinds of church traditions out there. The the response I want to give you, and feel free to to, to place a follow-up comment if you have further question on this, is or email or whatever. <clears throat> or email. Yep. Marriage by Design Podcast at gmail.com. Be very careful how much stock we're putting in anything other than the Word of God. And that's why when we did this talk, and, and pretty much every talk about sex and the Song of Solomon, we weren't talking about any kind of tradition. We were talking about what does Song of Solomon say? And understanding that Song of Solomon is written poetically, how do we parse together what was trying to be said in that book? Did you have something to add to that on the front end? I was just going to say, I I think we have to be careful about what are church traditions that, or church history or whatever, that we're going along with just because it's what we are used to or what we know or whatever. Right. Right. But do we really know what scripture has to say? Right. You know, and, and so that's, what's most important is, is knowing scripture, not just in regards to marriage and family and all that, but in all scripture, um, knowing scripture and not falling on our, tradition the traditions of our religion or the the you know what the confines or the or um teachings or history of our religion or our um you know churches or whatever right not fall not not falling back on that to guide us through our faith journey because that's not a true faith. You've, you've got to know what you believe in. And if what you believe in is the, the Bible, then you need to know it, right? Right. So. Right. 
Right. And I, and I will point you, uh, Adriel, and anyone else that's curious on this topic, I will point you to the book of Acts when the early church was being formed. I mean, if there were ever a time for traditions to be established, and certainly there were some traditions that were established, the gathering together of, of, you know, the, the followers of Christ. Type right. Thing. Yep. <clears throat> right. Um, not that sin, I mean, obviously there was the synagogue, but I'm talking about the Christian church, yep. um, the mixed Jew and Gentile church. Um, so certainly there were traditions that were happening, but again, we find those in the Bible because it turns out the book of Acts is in the Bible. But if you look at Acts 17 verse 11, we talk about this quite frequently. This is, this is Paul writing about, sorry, Luke writing about the story of the early church. And he's talking about, um, what, uh, Paul was saying to a certain sect of Jews called the Bereans. And what it says is now these Jews, the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word. This is the spoken word from Paul, Peter, and the rest. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They were, listen, I mean, these are the founders of the church. Peter was there for the ministry of Christ. Paul, as is indicated in his letters, was there witnessing the ministry of Christ. Not, and at that point, as as an enemy of Christ. And so when Peter and Paul are sharing about Christ as Savior, it would be easy to go, Oh, yeah, I believe it. They were with him. Right. Right. But the Bereans listened to what they said and, they and then they validated went and it checked it out for themselves by, through scripture. Yep. And I, when I think about church tradition, Adriel, I would encourage you uh, do that. Right. Be a Berean with regards to whatever church you're a part of, whatever denomination that is, whatever history they're teaching. R- listen to what is being shared and then go home and check that with what the scripture says, because if that church tradition should be a part of, you know, if it's doctrinally sound, it will be supported by what the scripture says. So specifically to bring it back to scripture with regards to song of Solomon, what we shared in that video, and I'm going to read it again. And this is not the only verse, but this is not a, this is not an episode about song of Solomon. We already did that. And I would love you guys to go back and listen to that and let us know what you think as Adriel did. Uh, in chapter four, verse 16. Now here's what it says. Awake, O North wind and come, O South wind blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow, which is easy to think about that and go, that seems a little yucky. Um, but go ahead. I mean, the song of Solomon uses my garden right several times throughout to, to talk about the female genitalia, right. Or the male genitalia. Both. Um, and, and again, it's easy to go, well, that's just poetry. Well, right. But our God's not the kind of God that hides the ball. I mean, if there's a book of poetry in the Bible, it's there because there's an earthly analogy that's trying to be shared, right? The Song of Solomon wasn't just like God inspired some poetry in Solomon because he was bored and he wanted to hear some erotica poem poetry, right? That would be weirder than the reality, which is that the song that Solomon had an experience that he 
wanted to write about, and he wrote it poetically, which was a tradition at the for, for Jews, and particularly for someone like Solomon that had all the knowledge and all that he had, mm-hmm. um, and the grace and, and, and charisma that he had, to write this poetically to make reference to this sexual experience that he was desiring to have with this woman that he loved. And it's easy to go, well, yeah, uh, gotcha, Nathan, because that verse 16 was said by him. So he's actually saying, if it's talking about oral sex at all, it's talking about oral sex on him, which I would say is Mm -hmm. still oral sex. But then look at her, look at her response which is also part of 16. She cuts in and says, let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Yeah, right. I mean, you almost have to think more poetically for that to not mean that than for it to mean oral sex. And so, again, I'm not, I've never said that oral sex is mandated in the Bible, ah. right? I mean, that's that's not what I'm. Well, that's not what I'm trying to say. All I'm trying to say is just that sure. it's n- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along, um, as I was saying, it's mandated in the Bible. No, <laughs> no. As I was saying, is uh, that it's allowable in the Bible, and that's and that's what we said in that Song of Solomon video, and so. You know, again, I'm, I'm, we're repeating a little bit what we said in that video, but the, the main point I want to make for today is you're not going to hear a lot on this podcast, church history, church tradition items. Um, I, I go ahead. I yeah, I would say really the answer to your question that that we're getting at is. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what right. church tradition says right. or history says, because the Bible, we believe that the Bible, specifically in Song of Solomon, shows it's allowable. And the Bible doesn't give anything other than what we talked about in that in those Song of Solomon episodes yep. that is off limits um, functionally in... Marriage between a man and a woman. Talking about sex. Sex, yes. Right. Except. Well, I said functionally. But, right. But, yeah, except bringing somebody else in, that includes porn. Right. Um, or doing things that with, violate your spouse's. Right. You know, that, that would undermine the intimacy in your relationship. Things you want to do, she doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to do. Or anything with animals. <clears throat> right. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for bringing that one in here. I mean. <laughs> Leave Fluffy out of the bedroom. <laughs> So, really, the Bible, other than those those things, right. doesn't say that anything is off limits. And Song of Solomon really opens the door to a lot of you know seeing a lot that is sure. available to you right. with within right. the bounds of marriage. And right. so, um, you know, if you're interested in what church history says about it, that's great. But what's important is what the Bible says has to say about it. Right. So so let me try and respond succinctly and kind of sum this up a little bit. In this particular issue with regards to oral sex, the church history and tradition doesn't matter to me because I think the Bible clearly defines it. So I'm trying to think of an example. Like... If your church is wrestling with whether or not to offer gluten-free communion, 
right? The Bible doesn't have a teaching on that. So in that case, church tradition, I think, or church history can play a role in that decision. And, and that might feel trivial, and I'm intending it to be trivial because I don't want to. I don't want to stumble into some, some huge big, debate right. topic, right? But my, my point is, church tradition can play a role, and in fact, this is can be a problem for non-denominational churches that are just doing it on their own because they're coming up with uh, their own church tradition and all these churches all over the place. Whereas, you know, the, the, the Southern Baptist Convention has defined history over the years. My, my point to you, Adriel, is you need to look at those traditions and, and ask, are these things already defined biblically? Because if your church says, hey, our tradition and history says that uh, oral sex is a sin, I believe that's contrary to scripture. And in that case, I would have a conversation with a deacon or a pastor and say, well, how did you arrive at this doctrine? Um, and that's really a problem with denominations is a lot of denominations get so caught up in tradition that the tradition overwhelms the doctrine biblically defined doctrine right and then and then we're really in a bad way and i'm sorry united methodists i'm looking at you um because that this is what's happened is there's been so much desire to keep up with the times and uh be relevant be relevant and all of these things that they've thrown the biblically defined doctrine right out the window uh in uh, an effort to be popular and in that case, uh, you know, I believe that they'll end up with neither. They'll have no doctrine and they won't be popular um, because if you don't stand for anything, then people go, well, why am I wasting my time with this? Um, and, you know, that's as much as I'll say there. Now, <clears throat> I did promise to be a little critical of denominational churches and I will do that now. Oh, man. Sometimes because, uh, and I've, this has been pointed out to me by a number of my uh Pentecostal or non-denominational, however you want to define it. I I hate those terms. But really spirit-believing friends and family that it's not just about Scripture if that's not coupled with the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I do believe that the Holy Spirit gives revelation and application to our lives through the reading of Scripture. I do not believe that there are multiple interpretations of biblical passages and the Spirit will sort of give Andrea an interpretation and me an interpretation. There's a difference between interpretation and application. So the the Scripture needs to be taken in context. It's the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 makes that clear. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. So when it says that, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed, yep. that includes the Holy Spirit. So I do not believe that the Holy Spirit gave you this interpretation of John three sixteen that, that no one else has ever yeah. understood. This is my problem with the Church of Latter-day Saints because that's an issue there, that he got a specific interpretation of Scripture that was different than anybody else. That's problematic. It's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Bible's clear about that. But the other thing we can fall into is this, well, you know, I just really felt last night like the Holy Spirit said that you should give me oral sex. Or whatever. That's a ridiculous thing. I understand that. But it's not super far away from some things that we've heard, right? Where it's just, 
well, you know, I really feel like the Lord told me this is just something we shouldn't be doing in bed or, you know, this is something you don't think we should be doing in bed. And, you know, the, the Holy spirit just really impressed upon me that our marriage just is not what it could be if you would change your mind on that or what if the Holy spirit told me we should have more kids. I know you don't want to, but the Holy spirit told me, or the Holy spirit told me X, Y, Z candidates going to win. And so he's going to win or the Holy spirit told me any number of things. We need to be really, 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 really careful about speaking on behalf of God. When you look at biblical teaching in the old Testament, if someone spoke on behalf of God and it turns out that they weren't speaking on behalf of God, there was a consequence for that. Do you remember what the consequence was, babe? They were stoned, weren't they? They were stoned mm-hmm. to death. Yep. So to give you an idea, they were put down in a hole, like a think of a well, and then the congregation would pick up big stones and just drop it on them until they would fill it up. And then they would just be crushed to death and that would be the end of it. I just cannot imagine... But here's the thing that strikes me about that. God wouldn't come up with that serious of a punishment if this was not a real temptation. Right. Right. And I feel like what's being taught in that punishment is we should really make sure. Be so careful. We're very clear with the Holy Spirit before we go speaking on his behalf. And uh, dare I say, the number of people that I hear speaking on behalf of God and the things turn out verifiably to be false, there'd be a lot of stoned people around. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to undermine prophecy. Prophecy is real. But the Holy Spirit moves in specific ways. And we need to be really, really careful about speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit. I believe God's given us his word in the Bible. We should go there as the first and last authority on all things in our life, understanding that as a result of sin, sometimes things get weird. And it, we might go to our Bible and go, well, man, the Bible doesn't really talk about this uh, thing. Yes. And so often that's because that thing is, a is result out of, of bounds already anyway. Yeah. Right? Is either a result of sin or is just part of the weird sinful world we're, we're a part of. Right. <clears throat> right. So um, anyway, that, that's, I, I just, I, I want to caution people about that because sometimes uh, we, we go right quick to the spirit told me something uh, when, you know, maybe, maybe the Holy spirit did, but maybe that was just between you and him. Right. Or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe it really is a word that the Holy Spirit directed you to give to someone else as a matter of obedience. And if that's the case, then you need to be obedient to, to the Holy Spirit. But be very careful about going, well, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit told me doctrinally this thing. Because if the Holy Spirit's told you that, it's redundant. Because I guarantee you, if it's a doctrinal thing, you're going to find it in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit maybe gave you that word to remind you, to remind your church body or whatever that this thing is in the Bible. But take that word and go directly to the Bible because the Holy Spirit's not going to contradict himself. Yeah, um, be a Berean. So that's exactly right. Yeah, full circle. Okay, Adriel, that's probably the long road um, to, to responding. But there are a number of things I wanted to just... Put out there as a reminder to folks, um, <clears throat> I know sometimes that the issue of church tradition can be a uh, 
a tricky one. Um, and I know people get really territorial about those things. So if you feel triggered, feel free to leave us a comment in the comment section below. Shoot us an email, marriage by design podcast at gmail.com or pop over to Facebook and leave us a comment there. But as for me and my wife, we will take the Bible as the first and last authority on our sex life and her garden and all the other areas that we need to be involved with. So guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we are going to have a family Friday episode this Friday, just kind of catching everyone up on where we've been the last month. I felt horrible that we didn't get more episodes out, but uh, we've had a lot of things going on and wanted to share them a little bit and, and just, uh, why, um, why it's been pretty fun the last month for, Andrea and I and lots of running around but wanted to share that with you we'll do that on Friday until then guys thanks so much for joining us and remember God is for your marriage have a great day